It's been absolutely amazing. When this began, we, we expected, frankly, as a church family to be absolutely overwhelmed with requests for need. And certainly we've had, we've had some. We've had some locally within our church family. We've had others overseas. But what, I've, what we've had more than anything else is an overwhelming amount of offers to help and generous gift of time and talent and so many financial gifts. Church, you're, you're literally helping brothers on the other side of the world, helping brothers and sisters on the other side of the world stay away from starvation. See, some of our missionaries serve in a place where if you don't eat that week, you may not work the next. You've literally saved human lives. You've extended comfort and grace and given hope right here in Huntington Beach as well. And we're so grateful. So if you need help, please let us know. If you're able to help, please continue to do so. I'd like to pray with you now and thank the Lord for you, for all that you're doing. And then we'll look straight into Scripture. Jesus, thank you. Thank you so very much for loving us so faithfully. Now I have the privilege again, Lord, even though I'm speaking primarily to an unblinking camera, I have the privilege of opening my, your word and enjoying it and sharing it with my family of faith. Thank you. May the words of, of this promise, of this assurance, reach every heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, hello and happy Mother's Day, and thank you for joining us from all over. I've got some, I've received some really fun text messages this morning. So, hello, Tennessee. Hello, Texas. Hello, Hawaii. Hello, Virginia. Not Virginia. A woman. The state of Virginia. I can hear the person who texted me this week from Virginia. I can hear them yelling at the screen right now. That's us. That's us. Wherever you are, thank you so much for joining us. If for whatever reason, even if it's the YouTube algorithm, somehow through no choosing of your own, you ended up watching this broadcast. Hello and welcome. My name is Bruce Garner. I'm the senior pastor at Cross Point Church in Huntington Beach, California, and we are just absolutely delighted to welcome you. And I know, I know because I've heard how distracting and how difficult some of you find this. Some of you, some of you, my introvert friends, frankly, are having the time of your lives because you're in your pajamas, you've got coffee, you've got a Bible or two or three spread out, you're surrounded by electronic devices rather than people, you're doing quite well. Others, including just last night, said, this is, this is really hard for me. But listen, folks, your Heavenly Father loves you, and believe it or not, He saw this coming. He has never been shocked he has never been surprised in his life. God never operates on contingency plans. He's in control. He loves you faithfully. And even in this environment, we can thrive. We can endure. And those of us who can't thrive, we can find hope. We can emerge from this time refined, stronger, better, perhaps more humble, perhaps having been taught how badly we need fellowship, how important it is that we gather in person, how precious relationship really is incarnated in the presence of at least a few more human beings that know us and love us for ourselves. 
So let's do our best to look at Scripture, because the Scripture I have in front of me this morning in the book of Isaiah is absolutely astonishing. It's actually one of the most shocking passages in the Old Testament, but shocking in a good way. Shocking in a, I can't believe God is actually like this way. So whether you're opening a paper Bible or firing open an iPad or using the, the online environment, please open with me your copy of the Scriptures, digital or paper, in the book of Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah 49. And while you turn there, let me tell you about Isaiah. Isaiah is perhaps the most important of all of the Old Testament prophets. He wrote 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And one of the reasons I am convinced, it's just one, but it's an important one, that I'm reading to you and have open in front of me a copy of the very Word of God is the book of Isaiah. Even though it was written 700 years before Christ, it gives detailed and specific promises that read in our day can only be about Jesus. It speaks about both his birth and his death. It even narrates the circumstances, not only of his death, but of his burial. But Isaiah was a, a real man living in a difficult time. He enjoyed a long season of prophecy, and it's a long book, and it's really divided into two big themes. And one of the beautiful literary features of Isaiah is it alternates these themes and it moves from their day when Isaiah was speaking to his people. He telescopes forward into the future to look into not only the life of Jesus, but the end of all things when God makes everything right and restores everything that sin had broken and ruined. When we entered the pandemic Words like judgment and sin were often a punchline for many people. And now we're seeing for ourselves in a way that none of us have experienced in our lifetimes maybe what judgment feels like. We're feeling, whether we attribute it to that or not, we're feeling the full effect of what it's like to live in a sin-wrecked world. Isaiah gets his arms around all of that. And he begins in his time with a strong word of judgment for the people. They've filled in the house of God. The courts of God are full, but the heart of the people is very far from God. And God essentially says, spare me your ritualism and come back in person with your heart, with your actual being, with your actual love and loyalty. Come back to me. So he's always moving between hope and judgment. And toward the end of the book, where I am in Isaiah 49... Isaiah begins to write what some Bible students call the servant songs. And this is another one of these telescoping features. It begins speaking of Israel and how Israel was meant to serve God, but then it goes on and speaks of another servant of God that can only be Jesus, because Israel didn't do any of the things that they were intended to do in bringing the nations to God. So there's constant, this constant alternation between judgment that is coming for hypocrisy, for religious hypocrisy, for sin, for indifference to the poor, for irreverence to God. Isaiah is constantly saying in these long pages, judgment is coming, but right after the message of judgment, 
He introduces another kind of music and says, but there is hope because God loves you, and restoration is on its way as well. And Isaiah 49, one of these songs of the servant, takes us into one of those places where Israel feeling the full weight now, he pictures Israel mindful now of how much their rebellion of God against God has cost them. It pictures Israel downcast. Because one of the things that we've learned in life when we look at life from God's perspective, and one of the things that Isaiah teaches us is this simple but painful lesson, sin and suffering make you feel forsaken. When you've wronged God and you've wronged others and you stop denying it, when maybe the consequences come crashing in and you realize that it's your fault and you've done this, and the wreckage and the harm that is now surrounding you and maybe engulfing you is actually your fault because it's, it's your sin, it's your wrongdoing, it was your lie, it was your betrayal, it was your selfishness that's done those things, it makes you feel isolated, it makes you feel quite alone. That's what sin does, and suffering does it just as well. And just as much, even if you're suffering for no apparent reason, even if your suffering is not your fault. How many times did I stand beside my mother's hospital bedside because my mom suffers from a few physical maladies, and, and one of them is chronic migraines that when I was in high school and college could only be broken through actually general anesthesia. That's what the doctors eventually started doing for her to break the cycle of blinding, crippling headaches. That was one of the most heart-wrenching things I've ever been through, to stand at her bedside as a high school senior and know that my own mother in that moment felt very alone even when we were with her clinging only to God who she still had the faith to believe was there and beside her and listening to her. That was the first time as a young man that I had insight into what suffering, either severe or sustained suffering, does to people. It makes you feel exquisitely, brutally alone. It makes you feel as if no one could possibly understand what you're going through. And particularly on Mother's Day, which is shot through with sadness for so many different people, maybe you're feeling that way. Maybe the celebrations and the laughter of others are making you feel a little bit hollow because for you circumstances are different and Mother's Day for you is a cause of pain and you dread this day in a sense because it makes you suffer. That makes you feel isolated and it can even make you feel forsaken. It can make you feel like there's no one in the world who understands you. And how many times have we sat in living rooms with people we love and someone is suffering, and some other well-meaning but ignorant person says something like, I understand. And you can see the person who's being crushed by circumstances in that moment sort of recoil. And more thoughtful people, in the, more thoughtful people in the room think to themselves, no, you don't. You have no idea what she's going through. You have no idea what he feels. You don't know 
what is happening in their heart and mind, and that is the nature of suffering. Even when we all go through the same storm, we all bear it in different ways. And that's how Israel's feeling. Israel is feeling the weight of her sin. She's looking back on her past, which Isaiah, as a prophet, is looking ahead and announcing the destruction of Jerusalem. And now Israel is portrayed as finally, after all this time, repentant. And looking back on their history, as we sometimes do as families and individuals, and thinking to themselves, if only I... I wish I wouldn't have. I wish I, could, I would have known then what I understand now. And Israel's feeling forsaken. Look with me in Isaiah 49 and verse 14. Here, Isaiah is going to use the word Zion to speak of the whole nation, the capital and representatively of the whole nation of Israel. Isaiah 49 verse 14 says, But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, my Lord has forgotten me. The Lord has forsaken me, my Lord has forgotten me. You ever felt that way? If you have, you're in good company. Even Jesus himself, perhaps I should say especially Jesus himself on the cross, quoted another ancient part of Scripture, the Psalms, written even earlier than Isaiah, and Jesus on the cross cried out in anguish, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that is a tribute, that is a portrait of what it means to suffer because Jesus has no sin. He's on the cross paying for the penalty of the sins of the world. He's taking my lies, my selfishness, and yours, my godlessness, my rebellion, my defiance, my ignorance, my casual and irreverent attitude toward the God who made me and made the whole universe, who spoke the stars into existence and knows them all by name, and then I think I can live without him. I live as if my life were my own. You live in that way. That's called sin, and Jesus is taking it to the cross with him and dying in our place as our substitute so that we can be accepted and forgiven. So there's no sin in the life of Jesus, but there is suffering beyond measure, suffering beyond comprehension as he bears the sin of the world. And even Jesus says, with the psalmist echoed here by Isaiah, the Lord has forsaken me, my Lord has forgotten me, and that's how it feels. And then Isaiah speaks again to them in the voice of God himself. You see, this is God speaking in the servant songs. This is the Father speaking to his nation, echoing and reminding and telling Israel, I understand your complaint. I understand your fear. You are saying, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. But mark the question in verse 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? I can't speak with authority to that question, but for the moms watching, let me ask you. Can you? Can you forget your newborn? 
Can you forget the child that is placed at great cost and after great pain into your arms to be cradled against your body? No. It would be unnatural. It would be shocking. It would be horrifying if a mother forgot. It would be against nature in every maternal instinct. That's why God is asking, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Look at the rest of verse 15. Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. There are sometimes horrible stories of women who forget their children, who act as if they did not exist. It's so rare it always shocks the conscience. It always makes news. My experience has been like your own. Mothers never forget. Mothers even especially remember sons and daughters who are no longer there with them. They never forget. They always remember the child is always near their mind. As I've had the privilege of being beside my wife for well, oh, oh, nearly 30 years now in marriage, and as we've watched our two young sons grow into men, I'm sometimes moved by how much she remembers, how close the names of her sons, the little babies she brought into the world, now men, both taller and stronger than I am, how much she remembers them, how much she knows of them, how much she continually thinks of them. And this is how God is portraying his love for Israel and his love for us. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Of course not. My wife is a wonderful mother. and Happy Mother's Day, Sharice. Like almost every mother in the world will never forget with her last day she will be thinking of her children. And God says... Even in that most enduring and striking example, even if a woman forgets, even if a handful of women in human history forget, even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. And then he moves to verse 16, and it's one of the most surprising verses in the Old Testament, perhaps in the entire Bible. Listen to God speak to the love he has for his people. Isaiah speaking in his time for Israel, which is to be restored. The Father speaking prophetically in extension, telescoping forward to the love he has for us in Christ. If in suffering you feel forsaken, if your sin and shame and guilt this morning makes you feel forsaken, I want you to stand back and admire the love of God and be comforted by the love of God in verse 16. God says, behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. In the Old Testament, when God set up the worship of Israel, he ordained a high priest to once a year go in and offer a sacrifice for the sins of the people. 
Only he could go into that holiest place, and later we understand through the book of Hebrews that entire long, ritual, bloody, sacrificial system was only a portrait and only a promise of the servant of God who would come to offer himself on that cross as the, as the one who could cover the sins of the world. But that high priest, when the law was first given, Aaron was told that on his priestly garment, on each shoulder, he would have a stone, a stone of onyx, with names engraved on each stone that he would bear on his shoulders in the presence of God. The maker of this jewelry was to take two stones of onyx and painstakingly carve into the stones in the order of their birth the names of the children of Israel, and then with gold filigree, those stones were to be set on the shoulders of the priest. And the priest was forever reminded, and the people were reminded whenever they saw him, that he stood for them, and he stood in their place, and their names were literally carried along by the priest to take them to God. With that backdrop, with the Jewish backdrop of what the Israelites who because of sin and suffering feel forsaken by God, listen to God speak to them. This is the Father God speaking to them. The God who is spirit, who has made all the world, speaks to people who have sinned against him who have suffered deeply and greatly for their sins, he turns to them and says, you say, I've forgotten you. You are saying, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Here's the truth, verse 16. God says, behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. This is poetry but it's true. Sometimes poetic images deliver a truth that simple prose cannot. You may feel forsaken by God, and it may be your own fault because of your sin, and you know it, and you're acknowledging, and you're telling God, I, I've done all this. This is all my fault, but I now fear or I now believe you've walked away from me. You've forsaken me, and you've forgotten me. Here's what God would say to you. Look, you feel forgotten, you feel forsaken. I want you to see the truth. I've written your name, I've engraved, I've carved your name in the palms of my hands. Here's the truth of God's love. Sin and suffering make you feel forsaken, but you're so loved, you cannot be forgotten. You may forget. You may be forgotten by others, but your heavenly Father cannot possibly ever forget you. He said, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Tattoos and carvings to the people of Israel were forbidden. But God says, at my own cost, to show my goodness to you, to recommend and display my faithfulness to you. It's as if I have carved your name in my hands so that whenever I act, I am continually reminded that you are there and I am reminded of how much I love you if God even needed reminding. And 700 years later, Jesus is speaking to people about salvation 
And he's using a different image. He's explaining to people that after a bunch of criminals and thieves and religious imposters came along, he has come and he is the good shepherd. And as the shepherds of his day always did, he would come to his own, he would make them his own, he would teach them to recognize his voice, and he would talk to them and they would follow him. And in John 10, verse 28, Jesus said this. If you'll look with me now, move forward from Isaiah, move forward 700 years in biblical history. Now we're standing with Jesus and listening to him. And Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and, I fall, and they follow me. Listen. Listen to the echo of Isaiah in the promise of Jesus made to you when you trust him. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. You see the picture? 700 years before Jesus was born, the Father said to people who had sinned and run from him, I know you feel forsaken. I hear you saying that I've forgotten you. Look at the truth. I've carved your name into my palms. And then Jesus comes along, the very Son of God, God in the flesh, and he opens up his palms one day and lays them willingly on a cross and is notoriously brutally crucified to die for sins so that when you see Jesus, you will see him someday as Thomas did with the wounds still in his resurrected body. That's how much God loves you. He understands, believe me, he understands and his, his great heart loves you to hear you say that you are forsaken, that you are forgotten. The truth is you're so loved, you cannot be forgotten. God is saying to you and literally in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, opening up his palms to suffer so that you can be accepted, so that you can be loved and forgiven. Whatever sin and suffering tell you, you are so loved that you cannot be forgotten. So I close with this. As this pandemic drags on, many of us are suffering mentally, emotionally, spiritually. For some of you, for the first time in your lives or for the first time in a long time, you've been put in a situation that has caused you to look for God. Thank God for that. My invitation to you, if you don't have the full assurance that God loves you this way, is that this morning you would turn from your sin and be saved, that you would call on the Father, this Father who loves people in this way, and say, it's my fault. I've broken your laws. I've lived in rebellion. I've lived as if you didn't exist. I've lived for what I wanted to do rather than the life you created me for. I'm sorry. Please save me. Put my sins on the cross with Jesus and save me. And if you do that this morning, I really pray and hope you'll let us know through the website. You can use this number, 714-868-7258. 
714-868-7258. If you'll text the word Jesus to that number, if you go on the website, send me an email, communicate with us any way you want. We're all over social media on Facebook and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. And Christian, I've heard from a few of you in the last few weeks telling me how hard this is for you, how much this you feel this is changing you, how fearful you are. In all of that fear, perhaps you have felt forsaken. Step back in awe and look at the love of your Father saying, I've carved you into the palms of my hands. Even a mother in some rare shocking cases may forget her newborn child. I will never forget you. Look at Jesus extending his nail-pierced hand saying, you're safe in my hand, and if that were not enough, and it is, the Father's hand is over mine, keeping you safe. No one, not sin, not death, Paul says, nothing created, nothing in all of creation, present or future, no amount of suffering, not even death itself, can separate us from the love of God in Christ because you are so loved that you cannot be forgotten. So let's pray God, and let's pray to God and thank him. And again, if you don't know him and you're ready to trust him, you've finally come to the point of giving up on yourself and your own understanding, and you're ready to start following Jesus, use this number. Listen, grab your cell phone and use this number, 714-868-7258, 714-868-7258. Send the word Jesus, just that, Jesus. Nothing else or the system won't capture it. Just send the word Jesus to that number. If you're new, we'd love to know that. Just send the word welcome to that same number. If we can pray for you, let us know. Use the website. Let us know how we can help. We are here to help you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, in the name of God who loves us this way. And for the many of you who have chosen to help, who are asking, what can I give? When can I give? How can I give? I have time. I have money. I have talent. I can sit. I can listen. I can serve. I can shop for groceries. I can deliver. If you want to help in some way, please let us know. Let's pray together and thank God that whatever sin and suffering tell us, we can't ever be forgotten. Father, thank you for loving us this way. It's astonishing that I get to say this because I certainly don't deserve it, but thank you for loving me this way. Thank you for loving the stranger and the one who's behaved as if you were dead. His or her whole life who this morning is hearing the gospel somewhere through this message or through another and is turning to you and saying, yes, I believe, I'm sorry, I trust you. I'm sorry for my sin, please forgive me. And in this moment, they've received and they're enjoying your love. Thank you. Father, encourage us, keep us close to you. In our darkest moments, remind us of how much you love us, I pray in Jesus' name. A single word cross point for the week. 
If you're not receiving my emails, I'd really love for you to go to crosspointhb.org and subscribe to the weekly email. California is slowly beginning to reopen. We have, we've, we're making plans to do just as much as we can as soon as we can to gather in person. Many of you are asking, and this week I'm going to give you my perspective and as much of our plan as we understand at this time so that we can gather again. We're united, but we're not gathered, and we are planning most definitely, and we are praying again to gather. So if you are not receiving my emails, please go to the website. It's the best way I have to communicate with you. And whether through a text message, a private message, an email, whatever means you want to use, if we can serve you in the name of this God who loves people this way, please let us know. God bless you. And again, to all I say, you wonderful, wonderful, wonderful women, happy Mother's Day. We love you. God bless you.